0: Scott has joined us. Oh, okay. If you hear my wife's voice in the background, on the phone with the cable company.
1: Is she giving them what for? Not yet.
0: Thankfully, it hasn't affected our internet connection. It's just affecting
1: our television. Your TV's out? Yeah.
0: How can you learn what's happening in the world without television? Actually, these days, I am much more of a Netflix junkie than a television junkie.
1: Oh, okay. That's something, anyway, because, I don't know, without television, we wouldn't know what to believe. That's my lesson to NPR. It tells me everything I need to believe. Ah, okay. That's good to know. <laughs> It's important to have these pillars of authority in our lives yeah. so that we can know what we're supposed to be doing and uh, and what we're supposed to be mad at is important yes exactly what makes us angry tell us please we need to know i have a lot of rage and i need to direct <laughs> it somewhere Welcome to Crucible of Realms, I'm Jim, I'm John, and I'm Kent, and today our guest is author and podcaster Scott Roche. Hello, sir!
0: Greetings! (laughs) From the nether. (laughs) (laughs) That haunting voice, it's pretty cool. I think you should do
1: some really scary uh, ghost stories, that would freak people out. (laughs) Uh, Microphony. And uh, for folks who are not familiar, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, uh, I've been
0: podcasting in various forms since um, probably the early
1: 21st century. Way back in the early 21st century. That's
0: right. Around 2002, 2003. I am a writer. I've been writing, I would say, I've been writing seriously for about the last five years. I'm an IT professional, husband and and father of three.
1: Scott, did you have any ideas you wanted to throw around today? I've written some short stories in
0: a universe that I haven't fully fleshed out yet, but it's a mashup of the West. I I love the Western. You know, we were talking a little bit about before we started recording that I, I just have this, this deep abiding love of fiction that takes place, not so much in the wild West, but in the frontier, some kind of frontier, because I think that, that being on the edge of civilization reveals, the truth about your character as an individual, so whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. So I love when it takes place sort of out there on the edge of civilization. So I was thinking, you know, it would be cool to mash up that with traditional horror tropes. The short story that I'm thinking of, actually, I have an idea for an alternative history where werewolves and vampires exist. And werewolves in this universe are treated as sort of lepers. There's this colony that's sort of like from New Mexico, West and South where they stick all the werewolves and sort of keep them there in this leper colony of sorts. So, yeah, I, I like that idea of mashing up the Old West with horror elements. I've got another short story that takes place, I think, in the same universe. It's all around this frontier mentality combined with uh, some of the darker bits of fantasy. Okay,
1: cool. Um, so what do you guys think? Do you want to put together a world that's experiencing kind of a uh, an Old West, but it's a sort of more of a kind of horror or a dark fantasy bent of things? Sure, yeah. I think okay. that'd be good. Now, we did something not unlike that uh, way back in Episode 4, where we tackled <coughs> um, the area around the Great Northwest, what is currently Washington State and Oregon and such. I'm sure we can come up with another thing where we've got stuff going on. Do it, first of all, do we want to do something that's... That would be considered in our own uh, like on earth, or do we want to create a new place? <laughs> no. and And now the long, unanswerable questions. well, again, you though. know
0: for my own two cents, I think that I, I like keeping my fiction as close to reality as I can. So a lot of my stuff takes place in worlds that are just you know one or two steps removed from our own. so, and that way I get to keep a lot of the elements of history and I can play with those and people that's a good touchstone for people but at the same time I can, I it's weird enough that it can be mine and if I make any mistakes I can just say ooh alternate history
1: <laughs>
0: that, works. that works so yeah Wait, okay so, so we- post
2: civil war pre civil war
1: that was my next question. The last couple that we did, the sort of horror Western, was pre-Civil War. The superhero Western that we did was during the Civil War. So I guess we could do something that's post-Civil War. Yeah, there's okay. a lot of potential there, too,
0: because as a country, as we're clawing our way out of the disaster of uh, all the deaths and the apocalypse that the Civil War was uh, in reality, I think that makes for a good time setting.
2: And the West was just opening up at that time, too, Yeah, to be a real settled place place, I suppose. Yeah. Or a lot of the west, in
1: any. Way. Oh yeah, it was a point at which we were finally grabbing the territories that we didn't have already, getting all of that done. Are we focusing
2: so, on a specific area then?
1: That too was a good question. Do we want to keep it west of the Mississippi? Or how big do we want to go here? What scale are we looking at? What, do we want to do Like something to be on the level of like a city, a state, a series of states, Why a big zone? Do we want to do North America? If we're making
0: this a world like our own, I think it would be good to include As much of North America as possible, because during that period of time, there was a lot going on in Canada. There was a lot going on all over the U.S. and and Mexico, certainly. So a big period of history for the whole northern part of the continent.
1: Okay, I'm good with painting in broad strokes. How about you guys? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So just sort of North America generally, and we'll kind of figure out a few basic things that we want to throw in and see how this goes. Okay.
2: what's the horror?
0: What's the hook here?
1: Yeah, we need a hook. What is the most horrifying, threatening thing that is going on right now in North America in the late 1800s?
0: Well, there's a couple of possibilities, fantasy or science fiction elements, either one. I particularly like shapeshifters, pulling those into any kind of... I've been watching a lot of Being Human, the UK series. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, And I really like their take on the werewolves. Uh, It's not that much different than the traditional take, but I particularly like the main character... That's a werewolf in that series. But, you know, just the conflict that being a werewolf uh, or facing werewolves, depending on the protagonist of whoever might be writing a story in this universe is concerned. I'm kind of over vampires for a while mm-hmm. <laughs> until until my mental palate is cleansed of some of the crap that's out there. I'm <laughs> not naming any names. This is the age where a lot of steampunk related stuff happens. So you've got a perfect outlet for maybe some crude robots or sort of a i'm reading the casebook of victor frankenstein no mm-hmm. oh. it's basically a story told as it's from frankenstein's point of view so you know you've got uh, the kind of crude science and, and beliefs about electricity right around this period of time so you've got a uh, possibility of grave robbing and sort of frankenstein type monsters and golems and that kind of thing
1: Now, of course, I'm going to look up when Tesla was here. One of those tropes that one always goes to when one talks about electricity. That's right around,
0: yeah, that's right around the same, roughly, the late 19th century. Mm -hmm. So that actually, hmm... Yeah, 1856 to 1943. So he was in his heyday right around the
1: late 1800s. I was trying to figure out when it was that he went to Colorado and did a lot of stuff out there. He was doing a lot of experiments in New York and in it said Colorado Springs. Ah, yeah, middle 1886 to 1899 was when he was doing a lot of these things. And he was out in Colorado Springs. Oh, well, that was in 1899. That's when he ended up out there. So he's out and about, and we so might throw in some sort of element for this because it was very much seen as the new big thing. And I know that they were trying to work on wireless electricity and things of that nature. So it might be cool to throw something in like that. What do we think? Yeah.
0: I am no scientist, and I don't write hard science fiction, but I do like the idea of going gather it of what if Tesla had been more successful, or some of the ideas that he had were actually worked or were implemented like the wireless energy. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And whether or not that's feasible in reality, the fun thing about fiction is we get to say, "Oh yeah, it just works in this world for whatever." Reason. But of course, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that opens up venues for like cool weapons and and
1: all yeah. See, so, yeah, I'm liking the idea of just in my head right now. There is uh, the thought of doing a electrical warriors versus werewolves type thing going on, or it's, it's sort of like med scientists versus werewolves, yeah, or like or something fiction, along those lines. So
0: on the side of humanity might even be these sort of. Reanimated soldiers that have been cranked back to life Mm. using some combination of
1: Tesla's. Oh, Oh, yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Maybe there's a thing where wireless electricity requires a host of some kind. Okay. (laughs) And uh, among the things that it can inhabit. Yeah, and then you can...
0: Our, our dead tissue. Yeah, with wireless energy transmission, that's these reanimated soldiers that basically fight in ranks and columns. In the middle of them, you've got a tank that's essentially, a wireless electricity transmitter that powers them all. and They have to be, say, within a mile of a transmission station, sort of like the droid army in the Star-, yeah. Star Trek, is what I'm envisioning there. Yeah, yeah. So,
2: are we fighting with these reanimated corpses because they're immune to the werewolves? Like, they can't be well, turned into werewolves.
1: Well, uh, it's probably a lot safer to throw already dead people at the werewolves than to throw living people at the werewolves, was one thing I was thinking. And probably they're stronger, Yeah, and they can do things. Maybe some of them that are more advanced can do some kind of electrical attack or something. Or resist so, to damage. All kinds of benefits. Yeah. How do you become a werewolf? Just a, uh... oh, you send in 1995 <laughs> and three box tops,
0: <laughs> and in six to eight
1: weeks, you get your certificate. <laughs> wow. Or is that not how they do that anymore? I'm not sure.
0: That's how I got mom. I... Okay, well, yeah.
1: <laughs> Um, They they sent you that belt, you put it on.
0: I I like more the virus explanation for lycanthropy, transmitted like a virus. If we're going to make this sort of pseudo-science fiction, then that would be the way I would probably go, make it a a virus of sorts.
1: The writer slash game master in me is now thinking about linking all of these things together, thinking maybe that this virus is something that broke out relatively recently, and there were always stories of werewolves, but this is the first time we actually have any, and maybe, maybe there was a coalition of scientists, like maybe Maybe there was like a big three, right? And one of them was Tesla, one of them was someone who bioengineered this werewolf virus, and one of them was the one who picked up Frankenstein's work. And basically the three of them split, and so you have these three factions going on. Both are kind of fighting the werewolf faction because the virus has been spreading really fast, and so there are a lot of them out there, and a lot of people who want to be werewolves, they feel it is more freeing or what have you. Get what you want, claw it from your enemy, that kind of thing. Here, I
0: got it. The third scientist, the, the werewolf scientist, if you will, was Dr. Jekyll. He was a real, oh, yeah, real doctor. He tapped into this Mr. Hyde thing, which turns out to be much like the ancient werewolf legends. And instead of the potion, he created a virus that he transmitted to some people while he was in his Mr. Hyde persona, and it spread from there. And some people really like the animalistic half, and some people really don't. But once you've got it, you've got it.
1: Interesting. So do we like that idea of bringing in Dr. Jekyll? Oh, yeah. Sure. That's good. I believe he's available. <laughs> cool. That works. I think it's an interesting thing. It's sort of a virus that broke out from the Jekyll-Hyde formula, essentially sort of as a variant. So do uh-huh. we
2: have Tesla and his people in, his automations, whatever, they're coming in trying to contain the outbreak?
1: Yeah. Because I, I like to put things into triangles because, oh, that's just me. They're more it, sturdy if, that way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but if this works as I think perhaps it might, this werewolf faction led ostensibly by Mr. Hyde, well, possibly Jekyll and Hyde, maybe they're working together on this, kind of, but, uh, you know, probably Hyde more than Jekyll, I would guess. This defense initiative worked up by whoever has inherited Frankenstein's legacy that perhaps not everyone agrees with because you're reanimating dead tissue. So <laughs> there are issues there, yep. so it might be kind of a People start a shout shadow- forks and, and torches. Yeah, so it might be a kind of a shadowy thing
2: going on. They notice him looking at Civil War battlefields and get
1: yes. a little uneasy. Well, see, it could actually be something that's a program through the government. <laughs> where this uh, Frankenstein inheritor has actually gone and gotten backing from the, you know, it's considerable amount of time after the Civil War, but essentially has gotten backing from the Union to go ahead and do this covertly so that they can, which they pushed through to try to fight the werewolves as the outbreak was happening. Hmm. And then the uh, folks under Tesla are trying to do it on their own, and Tesla has a good amount of support, and he has his own foundation at this point. Probably not quite got the, uh, the buying power that the wireless dead folk have at this point, <laughs> Which are using his technology are using it for things that he probably had not wanted to use it for. Yeah, Tesla <laughs> always gets the short end of the <laughs> stick when he does, doesn't he? Even even when a reality in which we want to give him more support, we can't. Totally, because I'm thinking maybe that it was Edison was the one that sold the idea to the government. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Tesla and, and sold it to the government. <laughs> uh, well, you
0: know, it, it's, uh, it, he could be this sort of person, the, the man in the middle who is trying to be the third leg of this triangle, if you will, could be Tesla. And he has a foundation that he's trying to uh, drum up. You know, maybe some support for the Lycanthrops, as well as decrying the use of the reanimated corpses by the government.
1: Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Because Oh, yeah, because you have... Oh, uh, and you remember there's that footage of Edison electrocuting an elephant. Yep. What if he's reanimating the elephant? Zombie elephants. Yes. Yes, my friend. <laughs> Zombie elephants. So we've got these three factions that we're playing with here. So which one do we want to define first? Oh. Well, we
2: we want the horror, so I suppose, the, so the werewolf, faction. werewolf faction.
1: Okay, well, we can either start by figuring out where they hang out, or we can start by figuring out kind of what they're about and sort of then place them somewhere.
2: We started this out sort of as a
1: Western, so are yeah, we... It still is. Well, uh, well, okay, so are we
2: dealing with the West, so to speak? Is I would say so. Well, yep. I mean, Everything.
1: If, if, if what would
0: make most sense to me would be that there was an outbreak... Maybe in the western part of the United States. And instead of north versus south, now you've kind of got east versus west. And the werewolves maybe even found some kindred spirits among the Native Americans and forged a coalition with them. Because they might see, see the virus as kind of a spiritual type thing. I don't
1: know. Yeah, well, some of them anyway. Some of them, yeah. yeah. So, so they, got, they might have teamed up with the Apache, right? So I'm thinking maybe,
0: to, in keeping with the Western theme that we started with, make the werewolves sort of base of operations or what have you be out in maybe New Mexico or or Utah or even California maybe. Uh,
1: Yeah, that was, if I'm remembering correctly, and of course now I must give the disclaimer that most of my uh, history of the Old West is tainted by the fact that I am a rabid Deadlands fanatic. Yeah, New Mexico, Arizona, California, those were all kind of, if I recall correctly, sort of where Geronimo and the Apache and such were hanging out. That works. And actually, we can use Tombstone Arizona if we want as a place where they settle. (laughs) (laughs) There are a lot of places out there we can play with here. So yeah, I mean, that whole zone is good, so maybe they hook up some with the Apache and a few other tribes sort of in that area. Okay. Uh, How does this work? How does one become a werewolf, and what happens? You said it's a virus. Hmm. It's something that maybe it's passed through being bitten, I'm guessing. Yeah,
0: I think definitely blood or saliva. I would say we do away with the whole lunar cycle. Hmm. Or we say, you know if the infected person has any control over the change, there's less control during the full moon, but they still have some degree of control.
1: This is another thought. Maybe some of the folks with whom Jekyll slash Hyde has been working more directly and have received some form of shall we say treatment or formula have greater degree of control than those that don't are kind of more like the rampaging monsters and what have you.
0: Yeah, that way you get the thinking werewolves who might be a little bit more like the role-playing game versions of werewolves. and then you've That's got.
2: I was about to ask, do they just turn into wolves, which are bigger dogs, but they're still not the threat that an actual monster would be?
0: I would say they probably don't do the full on transformation into a wolf, but they're sort of, uh, they get bigger, hairier,
1: toothier, clawier. Is clawier a word? It is now. Uh, You said it on the podcast. It's a word. uh,
0: (laughs) And that any resemblance to a wolf. These had been created, say, two or three hundred years earlier. They just would have been called berserkers. They don't necessarily become like a wolf, but they become like a larger, nastier, more primitive humanoid. They it's sort like of falls out. Right, exactly. But I'm not opposed to them becoming more wolf-like. I'm just trying to think in terms of more science fiction and less fantasy.
1: Yeah. Essentially, we have two different types of werewolves. We have sort of the more controlled and then the uncontrolled.
0: Right around this time, too, there was a lot of interest in psychology and psychiatry and trying to understand the human mind. So maybe people can learn to control the transformation using traditional science or even less traditional methods like meditation.
1: Yeah, well I was thinking that perhaps if they do hook up with the Apache that there are certain shamanistic rituals that they perform that would be kind of like they would have the same kind of effect meditation, that sort of thing. Exactly. Learning to exactly. control yourself.
0: Whatever you can do to sort of tap into that and control that and then you've got people that don't want to be bothered to go through all that trouble and they tend to transform around the cycle of the full moon. And you know, people that want to play in this universe could say, oh, maybe there's just some scientists who think that that lunar cycle has something to do with it or maybe it's just because of the world both legends, people convince themselves that's when they should change.
1: Yeah, and so that's when it happens, because right. that's when they've decided to do it.
0: It's, it's very, uh, what's the word? When you think you're sick, you get sick. Yeah.
1: hypochondriac, basically.
0: You get sick because you think that's when you should get sick.
1: That's not how that works?
2: Are we going to advance? Are we going to have airships? Are we going to go on full on steampunk?
1: That's a good question. I kind of like keeping it sort of at primitive steampunk, almost, I would say. I like the idea of Tesla and his people, they have airships
0: and airplanes or whatever, gliders, and they have this sort of little colonies of airships. They're sort of the neutral territory, but they're in the air. That can work. So are
2: they out in the territories, not part of the United Street 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 Street
0: Street. Is, Their neutral territory is 100 feet
1: straight up. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so I'd say maybe they hang out more kind of in the middle. So they're not as far out west as Jekyll's crew. But like um, Oklahoma, Missouri. Yeah, yeah, sort
0: of out. Um, That's probably where most of the conflict is going to happen anyway.
1: Yeah, sort of the Kansas, Colorado type thing. Tesla was in Colorado, so he he has probably retreated east at least a bit, so we've got but, that going on. But that would give the
0: the people who like to play in the airship steampunkier end of things, that would give them their airship mm.
1: fix. And I'm sure they can, I think John was also talking about giving them automatons. They could have automatons of some kind that they use, which is basically electrically powered automatons and lightning guns and things of that nature. But before we jump fully there, did we finish defining everything we wanted to about the werewolf group? Do we need any more layers of organization with those, or are we good? I like them being sort
0: of more loosely organized there wouldn't be like a central werewolf government or anything <laughs> um, uh, we're not going to turn this into cowboys versus indians are we you know there i think there could easily be elements of cowboys versus indians north versus south it's it's all a matter of the quote unquote civilized versus the quote unquote uncivilized
1: there are a number of ways you can take it actually and it, uh. there is going to be of course conflict within the individual groups there's going to be conflict even within the apache and the other nations trying to you know decide you know <laughs> we do not want our brethren turning into animals right in a literal sense
0: yeah so i think and, i think uh, there's a lot of room for, but i think that the werewolves would probably be looser knit for organizationally i guess if you wish.
2: Well is there something preventing them from if it's a virus what's preventing them from Basically, just converting whole towns. Is there an ethic among the werewolves that you
1: don't? Do you see what I'm saying?
2: Yeah, uh, I think like, viruses don't care, and they just well, it's, it's they limited. Replicate themselves.
0: Yeah, no
1: matter how many times they call you and tell you they care, they don't.
0: <laughs> it's limited by, uh, and it's not airborne, so there's there's that. It's limited to bodily fluids. I'm sure you've got people who you want to look at it. If you want to look at this like AIDS, almost, you've got people who don't care. You've got people who who are very conscientious and take every precaution they can because they don't want people to be in the same boat they're in. I could easily see you writing a story or, or a game or something where you got this werewolf who's indiscriminately going around converting people, and the object is to stop that person. Uh, It's
1: entirely possible that this is the kind of thing you can, uh, your your immune system might be able to get rid of it. Yeah, uh, and two, two, if
0: a werewolf attacks you, uh, it's kind of like a shark attacking you. Nine times out of ten, you're not going to survive long enough for the virus to take hold. I've got this short story that I wrote that could easily take place in this universe. I very much go the virus route with the lycanthropy. Basically, one of the characters, one of the werewolf characters, says most people don't survive the initial first, to transformations, so it's kind of self-limiting, and the only thing that tends to work to keep you alive during it is some strong emotion like hatred or anger or or love, something that really helps you push yeah. through. Oh,
2: okay, that I got to now because I had this thought: if they keep their intelligence and they really. If you bite somebody and they turn you into a a lycanthrope and they don't like you, they still don't like you. It's not like you suddenly are their
1: servant.
0: Yeah, but they especially might really not like you for turning them into a werewolf.
1: Right. Right. (laughs) It may be a slight grudge there. Right. Right. It's the
0: the limiting factor there. There are several good limiting factors, psychology, physiology. If the majority of people who are lycanthropes tend to be (laughs) like a Jekyll and Hyde thing, when they flip to the werewolf side, they're not going to have enough control to be thinking, oh, gee, I'm going to bite them just enough. What if in
2: most cases you eventually... Your body builds up a resistance so that you slowly, eventually, don't become a lycanthrope or you don't really transform anymore.
1: That might be so a possibility. They, so that that have, might be something that some folks have happened. So it might be a, that some of those are the ones that have gone to Jekyll to try to extend it. Right. Uh, and maybe that's when he starts giving them the formula and they gain more control. But then, of course, he has strings on them.
0: Or the other limiting factor might be the longer you have it, the harder it is on your body, the transformations, your life expectancy, which we're talking about the late 1800s are. Isn't very good, right? For your average. Okay, yeah,
2: that works. Yeah, that. Uh-huh. I, I was trying to think of if you had some sort of. Okay. Yeah, you get bit, yeah, you're going to be okay for a while, but yeah, the transformation just racks you So that, yeah, you're super strong, but when it goes away, you're also, you've got the converse.
0: Yeah, the cellular damage that it does and everything else, I would imagine, if you became a lycanthrop at 25, you'd be lucky to see 40. If yes, very cool if you're
2: not killed before then.
1: then. Right, yes. Oh,
0: <laughs> Left- well, very cool. Okay, cool. Yeah, 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 that works. I like it. Lots of good limiting factors to prevent yeah. a vast outbreak.
1: Yes, I'd like to talk a little bit about Jekyll before we finish discussing this faction, uh, as he's kind of sort of at the head of it. I mean, it's very uncontrolled. He's kind of at the uh, head of the main controlled portion of said faction, and so I kind of would like to figure out what sort of take we're doing on him. I've just been calling him Jekyll, just for simplicity's sake, but is it more Hyde that's in control? Is it more Jekyll? What is their relationship right now, and how are they doing? Well, you could go a
0: couple of ways with this. One, we don't necessarily have to call it Jekyll and Hyde. we could say that was the fictionalized account of the actual thing that happened. But for shorthand, Jacqueline Hyde, I like the idea. He created something without meaning to, that this got out of hand, and maybe he's trying to find a way to put the genie back in the bottle. Okay. He infected himself with this in the process of experimenting, whether accidentally or on purpose, and infected other people, and now he's trying to find, I don't know, a cure or a way to make up for the damage that his
1: discovery has done.
2: So he's trying to put it back in the bottle, and his Hyde trying to
1: propagate it? Maybe. <laughs> I kind of like that idea of that duality. That might be interesting. Yeah. Would we say, then, that the Hyde side of it, since he's, I guess... Patient zero, perhaps, or he created Patient zero. There's probably something significantly different about his transformations, or it's kind of like this other personality. I guess takes over, and he he or literally Hyde becomes a, a different person. Is
2: Hyde a separate person? Maybe Hyde's his
0: twin. I like the Patient zero idea, where his. I mean, because he is the original his transformation might be a little more stark so there might be or he just might have fractured mentally so that he's got that dual personality whereas most people wouldn't necessarily I mean, you might be yeah. animal, animalistic but you'd still identify as the same person whereas he's just totally split so that so i, I like the idea of the scientist trying to find the cure and the side side trying to sort of spread the the disease.
2: The parallel to the Hulk, for those of you out there, they admitted the Hulk is the Jekyll Hyde idea just in... Yeah. Oh, no question.
1: I was thinking this sounded a little hulky there, so I, that
2: works. No, they, <laughs> they specifically... I mean, I think it was Stanley. I can't remember who created...
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely.
2: It. But he said, this is Jekyll Hyde's story. Before people think we're stealing
1: from this or that. And that. <laughs> no, let's make it clear what we're stealing from. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Only steal from the best. That's my okay. philosophy.
0: That's right. Yeah.
1: I would think then for dramatic purposes, the Hyde persona probably is in charge most of the time and then some Sometimes the Jekyll side is able to interrupt and he can go back and try to continue fixing what he was fixing. I'd kind of like then to deposit him in a city just so that we have an idea of where the base of operations might be. Yeah. I'm thinking, actually, that maybe Jekyll and Hyde would have two different bases of operations. So there's basically, there's a place where Hyde hangs out most of the time and then transforms back. He runs back to where he was and continues working. Well, how far do we want to go? There's some candidates we have here. I'm actually looking at a map for, like, the center of Hyde's werewolf spreading activities. Maybe he travels, so maybe it's within a number of places. But I'd say maybe if he hangs out, we've got, like, say, Santa Fe, El Paso, Tombstone, Los Angeles, Virginia City... Salt Lake City are any of these things sounding good?
0: Well the only thing I would say I would recommend as far as travel is concerned is being careful because we are talking about a hundred years ago so he isn't going to be able to travel quite as easily or as quickly as we do this is true so it would need to be a place that would have if we did want to go with that it would need to be a place that had uh, you know, railways yeah, on the railroad yeah.
1: accessible so somewhere you can get to by train far out of the way enough that he can propagate the werewolf species perhaps. Well, and the thing, too, is if Jekyll and
0: Hyde both have opposite motivations, they both still have to be in the middle of things in order to do what they've got to do. So they both have a perfectly good reason for being out west uh, and even in largely the same place. But I like the idea of them being in different cities, provided those cities were really close together.
1: Okay. Well, let's see. I'm going to name some states, and I'll see if anyone likes any of them. So Colorado, New Mexico, Utah, Arizona, Nevada, California. Do any of these sound good? I like Arizona. Arizona's good? What was going on in Arizona
0: in the late 1800s?
1: Well, the O.K. Corral was in 1880, and then a few years after that I think was when Tombstone became a a bit less... There was this initiative that a number of towns were undertaking, and Dodge had already done it, but I believe Tombstone had done it as well, where it's like, okay, we're not going to have these gangs of people calling themselves uh, lawmen controlling things anymore. We're going to get things more under control. And they went to, a, I guess, a more kind of police format, rather than martial Format, if I am remembering correctly. This timeline that I'm looking at, these are just sort of general things that happened, so they're not specific to places. 1883, Buffalo Bill Cody was doing the Wild West show, segregation, Pendleton Civil Service Reform Act, Brooklyn Bridge, made way to the east. Grover Cleveland becomes president in eighty-five, Washington Monuments finished in eighty-five, Let's See eighty-six, Haymarket Riot, American Federation of Labor founded in Ohio. A lot of this is stuff happening back east. Seven Dawes Act, 87 Hatch Act. I'm going to look up history of Arizona. That'll be more specific to what we're doing here. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> like Arizona, but I don't know, other than Tombstone, I don't know what was going on in Arizona.
1: Tombstone was there. Tucson was there. The Apache Wars took place in, the, in 1851
0: to 1886.
1: Mexican-American War during the mid-1800s. Brigham Young sent Mormons there in the mid to late 19th century. <laughs>
0: John
2: Wesley Powell explored the Grand Canyon in 1869. It, was,
0: it wasn't it was a state until 1912, so it would still be a territory. At 1881, the, time. the first railroad crossed the state.
1: So we've got there. Let me see here. Ah, there's a bigger article for the history of Arizona I can look at. That's Apache good. Chief... Geronimo surrendered in 1886. I kind of think there's something here in the Apache War we can play with. I'm just not sure what yet.
0: Let's say that for whatever reason...
1: Oh, Fort Apache. Sorry, go ahead.
0: Let's say for whatever reason, Arizona is where he is. Hey, John Wayne was Fort Apache.
1: (laughs) That came a little later, but (laughs) yes.
2: We can tie back into uh, the Pueblo Indians.
1: Yeah, it's basically they were trying to get the uh, the Indians to stay on their reservations, and so they were building a series of forts, and Fort Apache was one of those. Well, we don't have to get bogged down in... Yeah, the, the specifics. But it's fun to...
0: Well, you okay. know, see, okay, here, here we go. In 1885, the University of Arizona was founded,
1: so, you know, maybe... Oh, cool, where was that? Uh, where was the University of Arizona? Tucson.
0: Ah! So, I'm thinking, was that an educational center? That might, good. might be a good place. So we're going to put them in Tucson, eh? I'm liking that.
2: So we're going to put Jekyll and Hyde in Tucson. So if you were to map the outbreak of the Lycanthropes, that mm-hmm.
1: epicenter, probably. This is an interesting question because it depends on if he started there. And actually, the funny thing, Tucson's actually not very far away from Tombstone.
2: I think if it we would want be to play with that, if, it, if maybe Jekyll Hyde followed to tap again into the Hulk thing, maybe they followed the rails west. Maybe Jekyll kept trying to get away from population centers.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: Hyde
2: was pulling him back into them.
0: So here's a suggestion. Jacqueline Hyde, uh, the book, was published in 1886. Let's give Jacqueline Hyde a little bit of backstory. So in 1880, he discovers the formula, and in the book, I think he, he dies at the end. So let's say that this is a deal that he worked out with telling his story to Robert Louis Stevenson. And instead of dying, he actually goes to the Americas to further research his condition and try and find a cure
1: Yeah,
0: Uh, And so he goes to the Americas and he, as you say, he goes to one of the ports, maybe San Francisco, and gradually tries to get further and further away from civilization and trying to figure out what's going on. And as he has outbreaks or relapses or whatever hide infects people so that by the mid-1880s to 1890s, you've got the outbreak. And then, like you said, you can track it from, say, let's say San Francisco because he took the boat to San Francisco since that puts him on the West Coast, and he finds himself in Tucson.
1: I can work. I was thinking that maybe as part of this history, maybe you know, again, I was enjoying the idea of working in circles, that in the 1880s he actually is when he hooks up at some point and doing his research trying to get help from Tesla and whoever's doing the Frankensteinian research. So we have these three working together and then they split apart basically.
2: I could see it, him going to a Frankenstein kind of doctor
1: and yeah. trying to work a cure. This was one of the many secret and covert things that might have been going on in, say, in the lab in Colorado Springs, where Tesla was doing a lot of his wireless research and then eventually so out of that Tesla would have been able to create things like the automatons and the lightning guns, the Frankensteinian fellow would have been able to reanimate dead tissue and Jekyll really didn't get too much help because he was already infected but at that point he probably found a few things he could do, a few tricks, but then it was really Hyde that took over that then took whatever he had and then left.
2: We're calling them lycanthropes, werewolves. Yeah. So is it werewolves? Are we looking at lupine, kind of massive lupine creatures, like uh,
1: I don't see why not. Well, I think what we've been saying is that they get sort of hairier and clawier and toothier, but they don't necessarily grow snouts or what have you.
2: Okay, that's a, so we're almost yeti kind of situation going on.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. The scientists of the day would probably even say that the virus causes us to regress to a more primitive ancestor gotcha. kind of okay. Yeah. blah, blah, blah. Okay,
2: cool, cool, That's exactly where I was going to. I just wanted to make sure. I
0: was keeping it in my head that way. And the popular fiction and the newspapers and stuff first started calling them werewolves even though they're not even probably vaguely lupine. Maybe they actually run on all fours. I don't know if any of you guys have read The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah, uh, I have. Graphic novel. At least the first couple. But, you know, Hyde is very much primate- you know, sort of he could knuckle walk if he needed to. Right. So I could see these guys being able to do that. Their arms might get longer, uh, and they might stoop over a bit. Right. So I could, yeah. going on all fours a little more comfortably than a regular person.
2: Okay, that's exactly where I was going to. Yeah, yeah we're divorcing ourselves from the traditional werewolf yeah. towards more of a Jekyll Hyde thing.
1: I was just looking briefly, because you mentioned the newspapers. I know for quite a while Mark Twain, actually, or Samuel Clemens, wrote for a newspaper in Virginia City in Nevada. And <laughs> I was starting to think... Maybe we could throw him in here somewhere, (laughs) just for my own personal amusement. I don't know if we can quite bend it that far, but... (laughs) You
0: know, it would be fun as a writer to put yourself into the mind of Mark Twain and have his story written in the style of... Oh, yes. ...Mark Twain take place (laughs) in this universe.
1: Yeah, because he was writing a bunch of stuff about the West and his experiences in it. Yeah, Uh, I think, let's see, by that point, it doesn't say where he was, because he'd started doing a lot of these books in the 1870s. I think he he did eventually go back east before the 1880s. But, you know, we can do whatever we want, so we can throw him in if we want. But I digress. Okay, so I think we've got a pretty decent idea that Jekyll and Hyde hang out primarily around Tucson. The viral experiments and such take on a darker nature when Hyde is in charge. If you really want to get Twain into this,
0: on the Wikipedia page for Mark Twain, there is a picture of him in Tesla's lab in early 1894. Dun dun dun!
1: dun. Ah, cool. sold. <laughs> there you go. We're there, man. <laughs> he was friends with Tesla. Perfect.
2: Mark Twain, agent of Tesla? Huh? That's
1: yes. So right. He's actually working with him to try to bring them down through the newspaper. <laughs> or he he's could be
2: the Sat plant. secret agent of Tesla. <laughs> yes, the that first is awesome. Sat
1: man. <laughs> That is great. That is perfect. We can easily play with that, but that's maybe a, a narration thing that goes on. Okay, I think that we've got some decent details here on this faction. Is there anything else that we need to talk about with respect to this that anyone can think of? Any other details anyone wants to throw in? We're talking about the the, the, Werewolf faction. Yeah, the Hyde people. I think nah, we've hit we're pretty hard. Yep. Yeah, that's, we're good. Do we want to move on to the Tesla faction or the Frankenstein faction next?
2: Let's do the Frankenstein because we've done a bit of, let's, let's break the, the Tesla out a little bit.
1: Okay, we'll, we'll break him out. And now we segue in as clunky a fashion as possible. <laughs> we'll do a Star Wars wipe. Yes, there we go. So the wireless dead people, what is the deal here? Are these stitched together people from all manner of sources, or are they just single corpses that get reanimated? How does this work?
0: I like the notion of early on, you know, the early experiments would be the sort of truly Frankensteinian monsters that were cobbled together, but as they perfected the technology to actually turn these things into super soldiers, they also made them look a little more aesthetically pleasing. Less stitched together, except when it
1: Okay, so they I'm use as much sh- of a whole body as they can. But. I'm not yeah. sure how much super you
2: can get than a reanimated elephant.
1: <laughs> that is true. Plunking <laughs> down the road, oh my god, you'd just be like,
0: ah! Oh. That would take a lot of stinking electricity. <laughs> that <laughs> <Yep>. would.
1: <laughs> I kind of am imagining some of them having these little metal caps or metal things uh, attached to their heads.
0: Well, they should totally have either neck bolts or head yeah. something. <laughs>
1: they
0: all look like They're... Victor Carlos. So,
1: of course, uh, Carlos. Sorry. There has to be a way to receive the signal, after right. all. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Is the original origin with the original Dr. Frankenstein, or maybe one of his They came
0: out of Europe after being
1: Well, how close to the book do we want to go? I, th- I think the original Frankenstein took place in the 1700s. Love it. Um, the book
0: was published in the like
1: 1818. or 1800s. Oh, early 1800s. 1800s. Okay. What well, was it? A... Dr. Frankenstein Frankenstein dies and the monster ends up up at the North Pole or what have you. Right. Do we want to do that? Do we want to do something else?
0: Well, here's my two cents worth. I think, again, I like the idea of calling them whatever they get called or the technology that gets used. I like the idea of popular fiction and the press sort of attaching the name Frankenstein to them. But the technology is, I like the idea of Edison stealing this idea from Tesla. Yeah. So they're really Tesla monsters. Uh, yes. And, uh, and he's just trying to discredit.
1: Yeah. yeah. So Tesla's using Twain to try to fight back and relabel them as like Frankenstein monsters. Right.
0: <laughs> so, uh, so personally, I don't necessarily want to bring a historical Frankenstein into it, but we could. I'm okay with that. Okay. So we talked about maybe
2: making this part of a, a U.S. government project. Probably during the Civil War. Yeah, I could see it. soldiers back then, and this is the offshoot of that.
1: Maybe they had prototypical undead soldiers during the Civil War. Right. And that's really how they took Gettysburg. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But they couldn't really keep them going for very long. Maybe they weren't sure how to make it work until Edison brought them Tesla's technology.
0: Right, the broadcast power, yeah. Yeah. The ones they used in the Civil War had to wear these really heavy battery backpacks. Yes, (laughs) Yes, right. <laughs> or it could only be deployed in like electrical storms or something like right. that. they were really short range. They got jump started, lasted
1: half an hour, and
0: then they fell apart. Right, awesome. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Using old designs for Benjamin Franklin. No, we're not going to go there again. <laughs> <laughs> they had kites they that were attached to their neck. <laughs> yes, that's it. They had to have the backpacks or the kites or the long cables. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't go very far. And so they had to the deploy end, them very specifically and carefully.
2: In the end, they weren't practical in the Civil War, but yeah, when along came Edison with broadcast power.
0: Yeah, that'll work. Yeah, I really wish that I had an unlimited supply of money because I would totally want Mike Mignola to draw me a picture <laughs> of this Civil War soldier undead with a big battery backpack. <laughs> yes! <laughs> And he'd be the right
2: person to do it, too. Exactly. Yes.
1: Yes. So, now, with this wireless technology, such as we're calling it, this wireless electricity, how do they work now? Do they have, like, the little thing on their neck or the back of their head or something that receives a signal that has to be transmitted constantly, or what are we looking at?
0: Yeah, I think some kind of... It doesn't have to be neck bolts. I mean, that may be a little too cheesy, but...
1: Could be a neck bolt.
0: Definitely some kind of metal apparatus that receives the electricity. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Some sort of
2: antenna or, you know, those little arcing V kind of antenna that the... yeah, and,
1: uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> do they have these antennas sticking up out of their heads could Are... be from their shoulder blades
0: shoulder blades neck bolts something yeah, like that. it probably varies yeah the bigger the thing that is to be animated the more bigger the antenna or receiver needs to be <laughs> so the elephant it's a tough Oh, oh,
1: really
0: wow. big tough.
2: Ooh.
1: Yes. Have- Oh, wow. <clears throat> Crucible of Realms would like to apologize <laughs> to any animal rights advocates uh, currently listening to the podcast.
2: <laughs> we swear no elephants were harmed in the taping
1: of this. No elephants were harmed in the making of this podcast. But that is a cool idea. I like that. And...
0: There has to be a transmission station in a... Yeah.
1: We gave the airships to Tesla, so I don't know if it's like there's... He's on the train. M- it could be train a r- mobile station or... <laughs> maybe it's a big train. Maybe it's a big... in Or a tank. Yeah, maybe Edison has developed a train that is able to go off the rails so to speak, and literally, in fact, that he moves around and he has a number of cars in it where he keeps his transmission equipment. And if you're deploying the troops or any other undead folk, you have to have this transmission station that comes with you that houses the equipment to send out the signal.
0: You can have that for a mobile transmission station, or you can have a powerful
1: camp or a a permanent installation. I would be very happy if one of these permanent installations was in Washington. Our nation's capital is protected by the undead. Yes. That, that, oh, that's
0: the transmission station is the Washington Monument. Ooh, done. <laughs> it does have an aluminum
1: top, so there you go. So when that fateful day comes, they have to initiate Order 13 <laughs> and press the big red button. Washington is under attack. The monuments, The Please. graveyards like. open up. Ooh. <laughs> And the dead rise from it to defend the city.
2: It was built in
1: 1885, so... There you go. This must be done. <laughs> I like it. Uh, I like this so much. <laughs> so there's think...
2: an army underneath Arlington National Cemetery, is that what you're saying? <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs>
0: yes, I am. <laughs> if you're buried in Arlington National Cemetery, you have neck bolts.
1: When you sign up for the military in the 1880s, they gave you this extra little box you can check.
0: Do you want to be used after your death?
1: Would you like to continue fighting after you've met your mine?
0: Oddly enough, it's checked for you already.
2: (laughs) It's an opt-out, yeah. It's definitely an opt-out. What Oh, this thing checked? Don't worry about it. Just (laughs) Just, sign it.
1: Just sign it, son. You'll be fine. It's it's a special death benefit. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) My next question, then, is are these undead intelligent at all? Can they make decisions on their own, or is it like doing a, uh, a radio-controlled car type thing? Or are there different kinds?
0: I could see there being different kinds. Basically, the majority of them are probably going to be somewhat radio-controlled. I look at these like the droids, and yeah. I, I keep bringing up the prequels, and I apologize for that.
1: We'll heal. It'll heal. Everything will be fine. But,
0: you know, I imagine,
1: you know... There are prequels? Wait, what are you talking about? Disney's Sorry, go. gonna fix
0: that. We'll have other things to that's right. That's <laughs> right. Um, I can imagine a Civil War era Union soldier snapping to attention and going, Roger, Roger. Uh, <laughs> no. Maybe it
2: has to do with if they got the brain of a recently deceased person into one of these bodies, then there's probably some intelligence left there. But if it's a long dead body, it's just an animated body. Right. No, nope. can see that.
1: So maybe with the animated bodies, it's like you can sort of point them and they understand how to fight because their bodies kind of remember how to fight. Right. Especially if they're using ex-soldiers.
0: And they can communicate, point, and shoot or what have you. To actually have, quote, the undead officers in the field are the more recently dead.
1: Yeah, that works. And some of them maybe have been hulked up with other things and other body parts or fluids or experiments or what have you.
2: Do they put a human brain inside that elephant?
1: I'm not familiar with the relative size of elephant brain versus human brain. Well, but it doesn't... (laughs) Well, yeah, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't really have to match. That would be... (laughs) I can imagine that someone probably is going to try it. I do not know, however... I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess if you want them to be able to follow commands, they'd probably keep it at the basic level sort of the same as longer dead get. I should say the the, sort of the longer dead brains, so it's like you can give them basic commands. Right. Uh, I don't think they'd want to make those too intelligent. Okay. So they have elephant troops... Probably not a lot of them. Yeah, elephants not being native to the... Yeah. I would imagine bears and... Elephant units, bear units. Have they been trying anything with any other animals? An undead grizzly. Would so... be a terrifying thing, yeah. I can't imagine... Uh, d- do they I
2: have the air? Do they have birds?
1: I guess they could. I'm guessing that maybe there's an animal division where it's like Edison's probably more directly working with people. I'm guessing then that he's got some other scientist working doing the animal patchwork stuff. Mm -hmm. And, of course, this leads us to having combination animals and people. We start to have almost an undead Dr. Moreau thing going on. Maybe they're trying very hard to understand what's happening to the werewolves, and they have another scientist in there who's slowly going crazier and crazier as he's trying to attach different animal parts to different people's bodies and bring them to life.
2: We could drag Doctor Moreau into here. I think the timeline right. I could see that happening.
1: I think it'd be like some sort of Moreau student-type person, maybe. Uh, I don't know if the actual Moreau should be in this, but um, (laughs) this is more like dealing with undead. But, yeah, still someone who's into making patchwork people out of people and animals and things of that nature. You can easily see that working.
2: The Isle of Dr. Moreau was published in 1895, 96.
1: So there are elements of that, perhaps. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So the undead here are sort of controlled by the U.S. government.
1: So, yeah, and actually I was going to ask, where do we want to place edison do we want to actually put him in washington or do we want to put him somewhere else
2: he probably started in washington but the threat's in the west now so he has to go west
0: well but he wouldn't necessarily be the brains behind it
1: he'd probably stay back east working on research that is true that is true let me see where was thomas edison's lab his first power station was in new york uh, menlo park west orange and fort myers West Orange, New Jersey. He's going back and forth, I guess, between New Jersey and Florida. Yeah, you know, he was living in Fort Myers, Florida, it says here. That's uh, either one. Well, I'm sure he travels a lot anyway, just to get things done. That's where he probably primarily stays. Do we want to throw any other people in here, or do we want to just sort of leave the defined named people as just Edison for this faction?
0: When did Grant
1: die? Ulysses S. Grant president until 1880 I believe he died in 1885
0: would be a major general during this period of time you know it could still be Grant it's true
1: (laughs) (laughs) with the technology that we have now he could have died in 1885 and he could be working for them again (laughs) general Custer is this time period too you know I think his was 77 I think that was little Bighorn yeah it was 1877 okay I couldn't remember although if you want to dig up Custer for this that would be very interesting because he'd be particularly cruel or uh, he
2: might be a, he, he could be a, a werewolf he could be, be
1: dramatically different. interesting one way or the other I'm getting the sense that we want to throw a historical general in here but wait just, what do we want to just for the sake of having somebody out on the Forefront I did not know if
0: there was any significant American general during that time period that would make sense, or a major military figure that would make sense. Sister Arthur...
1: Do we want it someone who is currently alive, or a recently deceased general? Uh, opinions about military officers aside, you probably want the major officers to still be living. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Well, that's just a good idea, just in general, you know.
0: Yeah, I'm a military brat, and all my dad was an enlisted man, and he had his opinions about officers. Let's see, when was Teddy Roosevelt? When was he?
1: That was, I think, early 1900s, but the Googles, they will tell me everything. He was president in 1901 to 1909.
0: Yeah. Wouldn't it be interesting to have him out there fighting the werewolf horde?
1: It would be. What was he doing... Prior to that. Fighting lots of wars. He did do a bunch of military stuff, did he not? Yeah, he was the Assistant Secretary of the Navy in 1897. He f- resi- resigned and formed the Rough Riders in 98, a volunteer cavalry regiment that fought in Cuba. Why don't we say he does that a little earlier? and, and he, Because he has the Rough Riders.
2: Yeah. I mean, Ooh, a... okay. So we have the Rough Riders out there leading our Frankensteinian contingent. I guess that's... Oh, they're humans. And they deploy the...
1: Yeah, I was thinking maybe it's like at their head you have these first United States volunteer... Well, they're volunteer, but... Yeah, I don't know if they put volunteers in charge of stuff. If we toy with this a little bit. No, well, it was, but I don't know.
2: back then, voluntary... Cav- I mean, there were lots of organizations in the Civil War that were collection of volunteers.
1: He was basically, it says, running the Navy before that happened. And he... So,
2: I mean, he's like famous for loving the West.
1: So, yeah, do we want to say that he and the Rough Riders were kind of in charge of the, uh, of the Western and Undead Initiatives. <laughs> Students of history, please forgive us, okay? Yes.
0: <laughs> forgive us for mangling everything. This is a history that includes zombies and werewolves. So again...
1: So this would be a special unit. We have him basically in charge of... A future president. In charge of this. That works. That works nicely. The Rough Riders are all alive and cavalry at the head of it, but then you have the undead... Oh, I could see them riding animated Undead horses? horses. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you could say that most of the ones that got the intelligent undead are also got intelligent undead horses. That works. That works nicely. Do we have any other details we want to throw in about the undead faction? Uh, no, I think that's good. I think we... Okay. Now, finally, if there's more to say about Tesla's faction, the electrical warrior type folk. I'd like these folks to be sort of like the
0: browncoats of this universe. They don't much care for what's going on with the government and their tests. But then again, they also don't much like what's going on with the virus, and they want to find a peaceful solution to what they feel is going to be a reenactment of the Civil War, basically. And I really like the idea of they're using airships for mobility, and and the lightning guns mounted
1: on the airships. Yes, I like that. I like that a lot. So we've talked about them having lightning guns, we've talked about them having automatons. Any other cool stuff we want them to have just off the top of our heads. I mean, they have,
2: like, remote control stuff, too.
1: You were about to say giant mechanical spiders, weren't you? I really was. Ah, oh, sadness. <laughs> <laughs> But that was
2: the
0: coolest thing about that movie. was an interesting thing.
2: Now, yeah. now now does you know Tesla supposedly had that I don't know how it works in. He had a doomsday machine. The idea behind a doomsday machine. Yeah, he was machine. working on
0: a death ray of some kind, apparently.
2: Maybe he developed it. But maybe it's an undeath ray. Maybe it kills only the undead. It disrupts
0: Yeah, her, yeah it disrupts the signal. But, does, work. but it doesn't have any effect on living people. That is a good idea. An early EMP weapon.
2: I think we based him out of Colorado. I think you said that he was in Colorado, right? Uh, yeah,
1: Tesla's lab was in Colorado Springs. And
2: which is um, where the Air Force Academy is now.
1: Oh, hey. It would only make sense for him to have airships. I'm pretty certain of that. Do we want to keep them in and around Colorado Springs? or uh, Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I think, that, I, yeah think I, think. I think that's near the nexus of the
1: conflict. And actually, one thing that we didn't work out was we figured out that Teddy Roosevelt was in charge of the undead units, but we didn't say where they primarily deploy out of. Well, wherever they're needed. Do so they have, like, a central place that they are uh, staying at?
0: I would imagine that. That they get deployed more on the fringes of the country because I would also imagine that they make regular people kind of nervous. So I would imagine that the army only uses them for certain kinds of operations, especially the anti-werewolf brigade. So yeah, I would imagine that they don't get used. I love the idea of having ones ready, buried in special vaults under Washington D.C. <laughs> that was a yeah. brilliant idea. But generally speaking, where they've got them actually being used actively would probably be in the territories and in the on the fringe yeah. states. Right, so using
1: please, the trains to, to deploy so maybe, yeah, uh, deploy them in,
2: in erect kind of okay. temporary
1: towers. Well, if you want them in central places for the trains that is out west, you could put them in Kansas.
0: Now, if you want a fun idea for a story, you take um, about the boys who were Super 8. You have yeah. basically where the train was going cross-country and it derailed and the alien got out or whatever. So you've got a story in this universe where there's a train going across the country to the next conflict and it's a train full of these undead soldiers Yes, and, and they go rogue. The train derails and they go ro- you have the zombies effectively terrorizing the countryside, and the werewolves come in and save the day. That would be a
1: good. Uh, that would be interesting. A good way to flip some yeah. of the stories on. Cool. Actually, yeah, we can probably just leave it vague. I don't know if there'd be a central hub where they stay out of or a main circuit really? where they go. I mean, maybe they hang around Kansas, maybe sometimes in Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, basically, and just sort of head west from there as needed.
0: There probably is a central processing plant
1: where they are built. It's a
0: shame that we couldn't somehow incorporate Area 51 into this. But yeah, I think maybe the central processing plant for these, I would almost have to say it would need to be
1: in one of the northern states where it stays pretty cool year-round. Iowa, Nebraska, Wyoming. The Dakotas, I'm kind of a little worried about.
2: Well, Teddy Roosevelt lived in North Dakota, I think it was. Theodore Roosevelt National Park is in North Dakota, I think. And that's where his, well, not his home was. Let me look.
1: Yeah, I mean, we could put it in the Dakotas. I'm sure the Lakota are so happy about that. Yeah, um, it's
2: near Medora, North Dakota, yeah.
0: And that's where his cabin was. And these, these types of soldiers wouldn't be very usefully deployed anywhere any more southern climes, probably.
1: Yeah, so that does limit it somewhat. So yeah, well, depending on how western we want to get, the only city that I'm aware of of significance in the Dakotas was Deadwood. Uh, There's Bismarck. Bismarck, North Dakota? Oh, yeah, that's right. Bismarck's up there. Fargo? What sounds good? Where do we want to drop these guys? It's like their central processing station. Well, and
0: it probably needs to be somewhere fairly remote, so we have like a state where not much is going on, so we know the Dakotas. Were they a state or were they a territory during this time?
2: They were admitted 1889.
0: were admitted just in time to be used as the central processing plant. (laughs) Bismarck Bismarck was founded in
2: 1872. I think Bismarck, North Dakota.
1: So what do we want to say? Do we want to say like Bismarck or amusement Fargo? They threw any defective soldiers into the wood chipper.
2: Yes. (laughs) I was thinking that exact same thing. You people are twisted. Yes.
0: (laughs) We're twisted. You're the one that thought of it. Oh, wait a minute.
1: So we're good with putting them in Fargo, North
0: Dakota? (laughs) Yeah, I'm good with that.
2: We can always point them at the Canadians
0: if they don't.
1: Yes. Maybe someone has a deal going because we have a lot of cavalry going on. Maybe they're trying to work on undead mounties.
0: Or This might be part of Project America's Hat. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah. We're going to send undead soldiers into Canada to take over. <laughs> Go up disguised as
0: mounties, undead cavalry.
1: Go up disguised as Canadian. I have to improve my Canadian disguise. I haven't got the hat right. Do
2: you see Teddy Roosevelt trying to teach the undead to say A? Crucible Realms, well, I'd like to apologize to everybody in Canada. Sorry.
1: And indeed, North Dakota. (laughs) Actually, let's just do a blanket apology for North America, then we're covered.
0: Yeah, anybody listening to this podcast, we're sorry.
1: Yes, we're sorry.
2: But we're having fun, so that's all that matters.
1: So I think we can safely head back to Tesla's camp now. And primarily, I guess they're working out of Colorado Springs. Yep. Any other things we want to throw in for them or methods of organization or things that they're doing? or Actually, what are they primarily doing to try to fight the werewolf virus? I can imagine them having like a two-fold plan. Basically,
0: they want to not only find a cure for the virus, they also want to... I could imagine Tesla's people being sort of a hacker community, so they want to find ways to also break this government project so that it can't be used again, the whole yeah. army thing. So they have conflict with both yeah. sides because they're probably yeah. in the werewolf community that don't want to cure.
1: So I'm thinking that maybe what they're trying to do is, on the undead side, they're trying to you know come up with ways to disrupt the signals, and I think on the werewolf side, they may be trying to track down Jekyll again and try to get him back to his jekyller self to get his help. Ooh, that's it. Yeah, that isn't it. To try to... Jekyll's uh,
0: herself. Yeah.
1: Yes. So they have an action
2: team out that... A Tesla
1: action act- team is out to try to go and track down Jekyll, or if he's in his hide persona, to either way just capture him and drag him back and get Jekyll's help on developing either an antidote or some way, just for those who want it. A cure of them. Yes, and to try to help communicate with the ones who don't. And in the interim, I guess, their plan involves, you know, electric fences. So
2: they have radios, too. This, I mean, this is pre-radio, but they have radios.
1: It's pre-radio, but they have radios. A wireless telegraph machine, perhaps. No, they go beyond that.
2: That's what I'm saying. They, we're already giving them the airships, so we might as well give them a way to communicate faster than everybody else. Yes, they also have computational devices, electronic brains, yeah.
1: difference engines, perhaps.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and we know that Mark Twain works for him. Well, in as much as Mark Twain works for anybody.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, they're friends. He works for the price of drinks, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. So they have these difference engines and these lightning guns and let's I'm see. Anything? here he's a big. He
2: was pro women's rights before most people were. So. Oh yeah. Perhaps there
1: are a lot of females working in his hierarchy.
2: Yep, I see the picture of Mark Twain at Tesla's lab.
1: So I guess we've got a lot of the basics here. Is there anything that we're missing here or anything else that we need to throw in? Uh, we talked about lightning guns. We talked about airship. Oh, yeah, we, they, they have some means of communicating that... That's right, Tesla did in... You know, because Marconi was working from Tesla's stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so sure, they have radios. Yeah. They're I mean, probably very tinny right well,
2: now. Well, I mean, because that's what the broadcast power is all about. It and yeah. They have wireless Ethernet.
1: Uh We're going to communicate over the Ethernet now. Wait, the ticker tape machine's coming out with whatever it is that they're trying to look at. Takes a long, long time to download. So I think we're good there. Is there anything else anyone wants to throw in before we start naming stuff? No, I'm good. I don't think so. Okay, well, here we go. Fortunately, lots of names have already. Yes, thankfully. So, Jekyll and Hyde. Are we just going to use Jekyll and Hyde, or are these other people? I like that it's I... Jekyll
0: and Hyde myself. But... Yeah. yeah, I'm fine with that. I am. The time is right for that name to be appropriate.
1: Okay, so they are Dr. Henry Jekyll and Mr. Edward Hyde. Now, the werewolves, is there another name for them, either for when they are addressing each other or when they are talked about more specifically as a group?
0: I would imagine they don't like being called werewolves for the most part. Yeah. I could easily see a Magneto-type figure who called oh. these by somewhat of a scientific name that made them appear to be somewhat superior. This next step in human
1: evolution kind of thing. Hyde can easily fill that role, I think. So it's something where someone who is advanced, it's like Homo Superior, but... Yeah, my Latin is kind of rusty. To the
0: thesaurus! The new mutants, no. Uh...
1: <laughs> I think that might be taken, I'm not sure. <laughs> Would they go in the direction of the Nietzschean Superman or Not, not to bad. call them Superman, but... Bionic, divine, extraordinary, godlike, great. Herculean. The new gods. Yes, Oh, that's probably taken to. Herculoids. No, wait. <laughs> Let's circle around and come back. Okay, I have a name for the... Okay, we'll come back to the these. The Prometheans? The Prometheans would be a good name. These, this is for the Frankenstein type yeah, yeah, I'm thinking that I like it, but I don't know. Because on the one hand, the Frankenstein... I troops could be called the Promethean Corps.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would call the Promethean
1: Corps or Project Prometheus would be the undead soldiers. They could be called Prometheans with apologies to White Wolf. There's a game they had called Promethean. I think that works. They don't own really? that word, though. They do not, sir. <laughs> so the Promethean Corps which were developed by Project Prometheus okay. edited by Thomas Edison. Very good. We could go with Metamorphs. We could go with... Yes. I like something along that line. Something about change, so, yeah. Yeah, so like a, something about transfer Transformation. Metahumans I think we're getting closer. Transformation, conversion, metamorphosis, renewal. And actually I'm going to also throw metamorphosis over there and look at synonyms for that. Changers. Transformers. <laughs> Transformers, yes, that's it. <laughs> Done, yes. Evolution. The evolved. The evolved. Ooh.
0: That's not bad.
1: Evolutionaries? Yeah, that's... Evolutionary would be... The Evolved actually is pretty good. I don't like it. They may consider themselves to be just that. There is a group of Evolved out by the ranch. They want to talk to us. I can see that working, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll go with Evolved. And if you don't like them, you just call them werewolves. Right okay, so now these uh, uh, and we figured out that these undead, I guess we're calling them Prometheans,
0: yeah,, I like that a lot that's that's very Frankenstein without being Frankenstein,
1: do we actually want to uh I know I kind of said this as a joke, but did we want to include there being a Dr. Moreau figure working for Edison also doing an offshoot of sort of more animal research and human-animal research?
0: I'm kind of lukewarm on that.
1: Well, let's say that perhaps it's going on, but we don't have to name him. Okay. So that I way... Want,
2: I still want an
1: elephant. Oh, well, yeah, well, yeah. You shall have your elephant, sir. <laughs> Someone is doing the research. They're just not going to be important enough to the plot for us to actually have to name them right now. We'll do that the in plot. a
2: supplemental source book.
1: Yes, yeah, so when the supplemental source book comes out, there'll be several names in there. We'll let others do that should they desire or two. Right. Tesla's organization, what do we want to call it? Sparks. Mm, that's not bad. Spark. Or it could be an acronym. Spark, mm-hmm. actually, yeah, that's I like that. Yep. And oh, I think in the tradition of other shows in which we've had acronym organizations, we don't need to actually define what the acronym stands for; just that it is one. Let them make it up. So the organization is called Spark. You can play with it. And so Spark agents. Now, is it SPARC as in Spark as
0: an S P A R K or just Spark? Yeah, I
1: think it's S P A R K.
0: You want thinking?
1: We can go with S P A R K. But if at some point someone comes up with a good acronym that turns it to C, we you know we can play with that. Yeah. Or it does that cool thing of spelling a C word with a K or something. Oh, but I was just
2: thinking an arc is also something an electrical. That's
1: yep. Oh, yeah. Arc spark. Oh, God. The spark arc. Let's not do that. It's um. the giant airship, the arc. The arc. I'm going to need some gin in a moment. Um, but first, let's finish this. Do we want to name the EMP gun, the giant EMP gun? A boomstick. Or do we just want to leave that as something long like an electromagnetic dispersal device or something? The boomstick. We could call it the boomstick. Or the coil. The The coil?
2: The Tesla coil, but it's the coil.
1: Either that or something else is called the coil, so that works. We can leave that kind of vague. The last thing we need to name here is the setting. What do we want to call this? Freaking awesome. It is that. The West that should have been? Maybe something with West in the title might be good. West or Western in the title. Lightning. Yeah, there's a lot of lightning. Or, or an apocalypse. I don't know. Maybe the
2: contagion. Or a showdown. In the,
1: well, yeah, maybe something a, involving the contagion could work. The Promethean so. solution.
2: Um, oh, there you go.
1: The Promethean solution. Or Promethean or, conflict. The Promethean affair. Or lichen contagion. Lycanthropic uh, contagion. The lichen. Canine,
0: canine contagion. The werewolf <laughs> containment. Change. Something about change. There's a whole lot about change in here. The yeah.
1: evolutionary wars. Uh, the
2: that's good because that. Well, there was an X-Men
1: evolutionary wars a long time ago. Evolutionary conflict or Western evolution. Yeah, is that good? good? Yeah, that worked for me. Okay, I'm liking it. Western Evolution is the setting. This setting is available under Creative Commons and so can be used in your fiction or your games or your whatever. If you want to make use of it, feel free. All you have to do is just make sure you credit the podcast and you're good to go with that. And also let us know if you use it. We always find it cool when we find our stuff out there and that it's helped somebody. Scott, thank you very much for joining us.
0: Oh, thank you. A lot of fun. It was
1: very entertaining. (laughs) And if people want to find you online, where should they go?
0: Well, they can go to
1: scottroche.com, that's
0: S-C-O-T-T-R-O-C-H-E dot com, Spiritual Tramp on Twitter, and uh, you can also find me at Facebook, Google+, and all those social media type
1: places. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for joining us. I don't know about you guys, but I'm getting ready to send off my request to the government to start digging out those chambers underneath Arlington Cemetery. (laughs) (laughs) Say goodbye, fellas. Goodbye. Good evening. We are out. Cool. Thank Very you. cool. This was good. There we are. That was That's fun. how it's done. Thank you for listening to Crucible of Realms. Do you have comments or a question? Have you used one of our settings? Tell us about it. You can contact us at podcast at crucibleofrealms.com or leave a review for us on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. Or if you'd like to contact one of the hosts individually, you can find our emails on the website at crucibleofrealms.com. The Crucible of Realms podcast and all settings created on it are released under a Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 Unported License. All music was composed and performed by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com.